Hi, everyone. Welcome to Chatting Cinema. I'm Flynn. I'm Gianni. And this is Darian. Hello. How are you? And uh, today is going to be episode three of our Star Wars retrospective series. We're going to be talking about the last prequel um, in the prequel trilogy, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) Uh, Came out in 2005, May 19th. Did you guys see it in theaters? Yes. You did? I didn't see it in theaters. It was the first Star Wars movie that I saw in theaters. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see the first two, and they didn't make any more until (laughs) like a decade and a half later. But I remember my dad always fell asleep in movie theaters, (laughs) and uh, that, that was the first and I think only movie... To this day, that I, I've ever fallen asleep in in a movie in a movie theater. Really? Now I look back at it and I I regret it because it, I, I actually think it's a, a a decent movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the first and only movie that I've ever fallen asleep in. So, wow. My little yeah, it's <laughs> little fun fact about Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Love hate relationship. It's certainly the first Star Wars movie I remember seeing in theaters. Uh, I was one when. Phantom Menace came out, so yeah. uh, this came out at a time where, like, I could be going to movies with my family and stuff, and so I remember going with my dad and and seeing it. I don't remember the experience too much. I remember liking it because it was 2005. Yeah. I mean, and had all the toys, everything like that. Uh, I remember loving all the prequels as a kid, um, but this one I think really holds up. Like. I think Revenge of the Sith is a lot of fun. I think so too. Um, from the opening scene with the uh, with the dogfight, yeah, I think that some of what we've talked about so far, um, especially with Attack of the Clones and um, Obi Wan and Anakin's relationship not really being there, I think that it sort of shines through a lot more in Revenge of the Sith, um, especially in that first scene. Uh, the banter's fun. Yeah, um, the effects are really solid they are like yeah. i think the like the buzz droids and the the like the, they really hold up the so ilm they did a, a lot of of really impressive work on this movie i think during the the that opening scene everything that has to do with the dogfight mm-hmm. when they're actually in the air well i guess not in the air it's space yeah. but <laughs> everything while they're in their ships is really fantastic yeah. like really good but everything on any interiors, I was like, are they like saving their budget? Because <laughs> everything in any interior during the entire movie, I was like, uh, yeah. it's sort of shoddy workmanship, but I can I can get along with it. Yeah. But like act three hit and I was like, I okay, I see what they were doing now because this is really impressive stuff. Yeah. Like like everything yeah. in act three, I was I was really blown away by right, it. Yeah, like, I like I knew it would look dated. But not that dated, right. and it was like, oh man! But like, dude, everything, everything really in in Act Three, I was I was really really impressed by ILM. Yeah, surprise surprise, they know what they're doing. Over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so, getting getting back to that dogfight, I just I think that what sets Revenge of the Sith apart from Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones is that we open on a really big action sequence in this one, mm-hmm. and I think that was that the kind of catalyst, and that we know, all right, this is going to be a little different than what we've right. seen in the past two movies. And that's ultimately because this is the one that we've been waiting for, right? Yeah, yeah and I feel like some of that scene, it, it sort of, um, it marries what, you know, Lucas was trying to do in that the character relationship shine through and that makes the action better. Even though the action is 
like an Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace, really loud, really big, lots of explosions, everything like that. It works so much better, not just because of how good it looks visually, but because you actually buy Anakin and Obi-Wan. Anakin is the the hotshot pilot that's, you know, going off on his, doing his own thing. Right. And Obi-Wan is the mentor that kind of talks about how much he hates flying yeah, yeah. and is in <laughs> yeah. this compromising situation. Which goes well with something that was said in the original trilogy, where Obi-Wan is like, oh yeah, he was like the best pilot right. ever. Like, like, you know what I mean? So... I, I think what you said in your episode, your, your Attack of the Clones ret- retrospective, is that like most scenes in in a big budget film like this have to accomplish two things. It has to be like visually appealing and it also has to have weight to it. Mm. If it doesn't really mean anything and if it's not emotionally um, relatable or, or, or in any way to the, to the audience, it's not really going to do anything. Right. So that opening scene, it's like a 20 or 25 minute scene. It it's like a breath of fresh air. Right. Where it's like, okay, we we've we've gotten through these these first two two episodes of of Star Wars. Now I I'm like forced to care about Revenge of the Sith and it's like, no 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 no. Yeah. You you're not forced to care about it. <laughs> right. This is going to set the tone for this movie and I think it was really spot on. I think for the first time in years I think people saw that movie, or I saw that movie, and I was like, "Okay, I, I see what Lucas was was going right. for." Now I'm I'm finally able to see the vision, and it's like a weight lifted lifted yeah. off your sol- shoulders because for so long you you almost felt like oppressed by Star right, Wars, right. like you like you've been lugging around Star Wars for yeah. this whole time. I think that that opening scene in Revenge of the Sith was like, "Here's what we're going for: either get on board or don't." But it's probably a good idea if you you'll just believe us when we say that we know what we're doing. Yeah, right. I mean, well, you were talking about how these character interactions and these scenes really need to hold weight if they're going to have yeah. any emotional impact on the viewers. And I think that this Dooku lightsaber fight mm-hmm. between Obi Wan, Anakin, Dooku, that is so much better, leaps and bounds, better than the end of Attack of the dude, Clones. I have goosebumps, yes. dude! Right? I have goosebumps. I mean, and we see Anakin behead Dooku. That yeah. was that was unseen in a Star Wars movie. It was really dark. This is the first PG-13 Star Wars movie. Yeah. I And I think that, that we see Anakin, he's starting to feel that pull, mm-hmm. right? And I think we believe it more so here than we did in Attack of the Clones. And I think that's just the start. Like you said, this opening action scene is where we see like what this movie is going to be, right? Yeah. What we're getting into here. Yeah. I think it's crazy that it was originally like an hour long, too, this whole scene. It's wild it, yeah it and the the killing of dooku uh, is an interesting um moment and it's sort of similar to uh spoilers for avengers infinity war <laughs> <laughs> what happens in infinity war when um thanos first 15 minutes kills loki it kind of sets the stage for you know what you have in a villain and so palpatine I mean, it's an open secret that he's the emperor. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that Palpatine's the emperor. So for Palpatine to for to sort of convince Anakin to kill Dooku, who in the last film is this big villain, he's powerful. We see him take on Obi-Wan and Anakin at once. We see him do it again in this movie. Um, for Palpatine to sort of set the stage in the very beginning of the movie to be like, kill him. Do it now. Right. And he just dies. No pomp and circumstance. Anakin beheads him. And that kind of sets you up for like, oh, this emperor that we see in um, the the original trilogy, 
this is why this guy's for real. He's been pulling the strings and he's been doing all this stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. But when push comes to shove, he will kill you, even if you were his apprentice and you are somebody that he's used with no regard at all. Um, and I think that's a really interesting character moment for Palpatine. I think it's an interesting character moment for Anakin. Um, and a fitting end to Darth Tyrannus mm-hmm. in Count Dooku. Yeah. Everything that I've read about this is that, like, oh, it was really, um, like, n- like non-characteristic of, of Anakin to do that, of so-and-so. And it's like, I can see that, like, well, first of all, the, the prequels are sort of having a moment right now right. in, like, pop culture. Yes. Like, the past, yeah, like, yeah, two or sure. three years, a lot of people are coming around to the prequels. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. I think, you know, film is subjective. So if you yeah. like it, that that's cool. Absolutely. And I think that scene, when he beheads Dooku, I think a lot of people were turned off by that because... Listen, Anakin is the chosen one. He's the right. Jedi. Yes, we we see what he's become, but by, by, by the end of everything. But I think a lot of people that left a sour taste yeah. in their mouth, and I think it was really well done. Yeah, like I, 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 agree. I, yeah. I, I like it, I can't be in the minority on this. And that right. like, yeah, I I think it really made sense that like, he's not really too sure where like what direction things are going in. He's just trying to he he has his priorities. Everyone has their own priorities yeah. in this movie. Everyone has different motivations. Yeah. Character developments like really on par. Like just a really solid movie with great characters and great character development. Right. And that first scene is really what popped it off. Is that like you have to start somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you're starting nowhere, like Anakin was, you really don't really have much to play with. So well, Anakin, I think he's really conflicted in this film, too. And we yeah. see that even in the opening dogfight when he tries to help some of the clones that are being shot down. And Obi-Wan says, no, we have our mission, they have right. theirs. And you can see Anakin's kind of, he's very conflicted, right? And then even in that, at the end of that fight, before he, after he beheads Dooku, he says that that's not the Jedi way. Right. But I think Anakin, in this film in particular, is really kind of at odds with what the Jedi way mm-hmm. is and if he really wants to follow it. Um, and of course, you have Palpatine in the background, really manipulating every single thing. Right. I mean, he has Anakin put on the Jedi Council, knowing that the Jedi Council won't make him a master. Yeah. And he knows that's going to set him off. That's going to strike some nerves. Um, that's called toxic behavior. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, and it's so interesting because I, I think that throughout the prequels, uh, the the Jedi are the good guys, right? But I feel like good guys aren't as clearly defined in the prequel trilogy yep. as the original Dude, trilogy. This whole movie. Do you guys go on Reddit at all? There's this portion, <laughs> there's this section of Reddit called The Empire Did Nothing Wrong. <laughs> and it's basically just like a bunch of people making the argument that like, okay, yeah, they're an empire and yeah, they they blow up planets and stuff. But aside from that, everything that they're doing, there's really nothing wrong with it. That's exactly what an empire would do in that scenario. Right. So this movie really made me think that, like, okay, yeah, they're doing a lot, a lot of killing and everything, and they're like pretty corrupt, but uh, like, he's making a lot of good points. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like the the he, what, basically what he's saying is that like the Sith and the the Jedi are not so different. Yeah. The quicker you realize that, the better. And as we as as the viewer are seeing everything through through Anakin's eyes, I was thinking to myself like. Good point. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you're you're not entirely wrong. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. And I, I think that I think that it injects this sort of gray middle ground, which is more correct because 
the the Jedi are a very dogmatic religion and they have this way of doing things. And for Star Wars, um, especially in the original trilogy, and I feel like this has shined through in the sequel trilogy, um, Star Wars is all about love. Star Wars is all about fighting for the things we love. Um, you know, we see it in A New Hope when Han doubles back to to fight alongside the Rebel Alliance. Like, the, there's no personal stakes in that for him, and it goes at odds against what his character is, but he loves Luke and Leia, and, and, and he has these feelings. And, and the same is true for Revenge of the Sith um, in that, Everything that Anakin is doing, whether we, you know, sort of buy into his relationship with Padme or not based on writing and performance and all that, is moot because he's doing everything he's doing because he loves Padme. Um, So turning against the Jedi Order, working with Sidious, none of that, none of the end game to him matters at all. He doesn't care about an empire. He doesn't care about the Jedi falling. He doesn't care about the Sith rising. He just wants to save Padme. And and according to the Jedi, that's not okay. You can't love. You can't have relationships. And I think that that's where you sort of see, like, no, the Jedi as they exist in the prequels um, are not the answer to having a truly just society. Because if the Jedi allowed for love and relationships this situation would have been avoided if anakin could have gone to yoda and obi-wan and mace windu and been like i love padme i'm having these visions of of her dying i need your help to save her and the jedi the jedi code would have let them save her this none of this would have happened and so i think that it's a nice commentary of like if you exclude if you exclude love and like emotion from your life that's going to lead to problems too, um, and I think that it's I think it's really fascinating the way they they handle those relationships, uh, and that's why Anakin is so at odds with the Jedi Order all the time is because they're operating without love, and it's because the Jedi Code is like okay, well, if you have a spouse, if you have a significant other, um, and they're dying, it's the same thing as the the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. I was just going to say. Green yeah, Goblin, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go vote. If you have a spouse and you have a boss of 100 people falling and you can only save one, that minute of hesitation means you're not a Jedi. The, the fact that you can't decide, like, that that person, you shouldn't be in love with that person because the, the, uh, the, the um, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Um, and so as a dogma and as a religion, that's that's all well and good. But, you know, the Jedi aren't clones. The Jedi aren't droids. The Jedi are people, um, all different races, all different species. They're people. And to ask people to sort of close that out, um, I think that's what's at the heart of Revenge of the Sith. And it's one of the reasons why the action and the excitement and all of that works so much better in this movie is it has a, a really good heart to it. Yeah, it really it really goes to show that like time and time again they're like, listen, we're Jedi. We don't really get involved in politics. Right. And like time and time again they keep like stepping their foot into yes. the politics yeah. water and it's like, okay, you, do you not see how this is going to like domino effect into something a lot a lot worse than it is? So yeah, I mean, at, at one point, Anakin says, 
no, 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 I can overthrow him and then you and I can rule together. Right. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what this is about. Exactly. That, that, that hasn't been your motivation. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that's really out of left field and Padme calls him out on it. It's like, who are you? Yeah. There, there's yeah, no yeah. hope for you anymore. Like, I, I, I used to believe in you and you're making it really hard to be on your side right now. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Jedi, say what you will about them. Yeah, they're, they're the good guys. They're the people that we're supposed to rally behind. Um, but they, I think they, they are proof that, that no one is perfect. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a sticky situation. Yeah. And for the, for the Jedi to, to sort of operate on this belief of all logic and no emotion and the Sith operate on this belief, all emotion and passion and, and not really thinking through how your actions affect other people. Like obviously neither of those is correct. Right. Obviously, you have to find the middle ground in order to to truly have a benevolent society. And, you know, for Revenge of the Sith and, and the prequels in general, it's all about balancing the force. But what does balancing the force mean? Because, you know, they bring in Anakin and he's the chosen one. Ah, he's the one that's going to balance the force, right? But what they want to do isn't balancing the force. Eliminating the Sith is not balancing the force. It's leaving the force all to one side. And nobody has monopoly on the force. Right. Nobody can. It's it's an energy that exists in all living things. Which um, again, the the emperor had a point. It it we do the same things. We just have a difference in opinion. It's right. just a different perspective that that can change everything. We are the same. Right. But if you have different opinions, then you do you. You know what I mean. So it's not really balancing. The only way to have balance is for there to be Sith and and for there to be. I don't want to say conflict, but just a just a evenness right. in 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 opinion because essentially that's what a democracy is. Exactly. But also he's the emperor, right. so right. what are you gonna do? You know what I mean? So there either have to be Jedi or Sith, or both have to meet in the middle. Yeah. Um, and that's fascinating to me. And so like if if Order sixty six, which is a great moment in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, Heart wrenching, dude. <laughs> oh my god. I I forgot about this whole montage. It was like a, maybe like a four or five minute thing, but like they killed it. Right. They really yeah. killed it. And somehow like, it really works without um like we didn't haven't really gotten attached to a lot of these Jedi. Right. Doesn't matter. Like like yeah. when Plo Koon crashes or Kiati Mundi gets shot in the back. Like we haven't had these moments, but somehow they found a way to still make it so emotionally impactful. And going to different planets and landscapes and, like, the visual conflict of every... That is a fantastic moment. You know what makes it fantastic? I I thought that I would think it was, like, really repetitive. And that, like, okay, we're seeing the same thing happen over and over. But I didn't really feel that way. After that first one, I was like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. And it happens over and over and over again, and you start to feel bad for the, for the Jedi. You right. start to feel like, oh, this poor sap doesn't even know what's coming. You know what I mean? Like, oh, poor guy. They're like, they're like all on their speeders. Two two of the clones pull back, and they they know you just know what's about to happen. And it's like, oh, dude, like poor guy probably has a family or something like that. Like, oh man, yeah, sucks, dude. But yeah, Order sixty six, great scene, great yeah. scene. Definitely heart wrenching. I mean, and John Williams, his score. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's the, part of what makes that too. Yeah, the, it's definitely like I said, it's definitely the darkest Star Wars movie. I think up until that point that we had seen, sure. I would say, and definitely the darkest moment I think in Star yeah. Wars mm-hmm. for me. When I think Absolutely. back, I think that is. 
probably the saddest and most shocked I've ever been. Mm-hmm. That, I think, in Anakin choking, force choking yep. Padme. Yeah, that's um, a moment. <laughs> different reasons, but yeah, um, I think that those those moments sort of ring true. But yeah, so if if Order sixty six doesn't happen, let, let's say let's say Mace Windu and and Kit Fisto bust down the door mm-hmm. and and take down Palpatine, right? And Palpatine's done. Order 66 doesn't happen, the Jedi. That is not a balanced force. Which, by the way, one gripe I, I do have with this movie is is that scene when they, they bust down the door and there's like, how many? There's it's th- it's Mace and... I think there's four Jedi total. <laughs> Come on. They, you, they couldn't take down this, this old man. Like, yeah, he was strong with the force, but also like... You got it. You, you got the numbers here. You it's know what so I mean. Funny that is also a really weird fight yeah. too, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> strange. It's it, a bizarre uh, scene. It's like the inverse of Order sixty six, where every Jedi in Order sixty six gets a sort of hero's death, and it's out of nowhere. But everybody but Mace Windu yeah. in that scene just kind of gets like <laughs> yeah, yeah. stabbed, and it's, yeah. it's done. Like the, these guys are are Jedi's that have been granted the rank of master. Like these are yeah. powerful Jedi. I mean, Kit Fisto is a powerful Jedi. Uh, and he goes out like a wimp. <laughs> Palpatine, Palpatine pushes a button on his desk. His lightsaber comes out and just takes control. Um, but so if that scene goes differently and Mace Windu takes Palpatine in and, and has him stand trial by Senate and he's in jail, all right, that's that's not going to work. You're not going to put the Emperor in jail. Like, it's not happening. But that that is not... Like, if that's Anakin fulfilling his prophecy, that's not balanced to the Force. Yeah. So I always thought what was interesting about Revenge of the Sith was the people that we know are Force-sensitive at the end of the movie do provide a balance to the Force, and Anakin has fulfilled his prophecy. So we have six people who we know are Force-sensitive if you don't know that Darth Maul is alive and you don't know that Kanan Jarrus is out there and and everything that's come post-prequels into the canon, which is all well and good, but if you just take this as a six-movie saga, even before the sequel trilogies, all that, because that makes certain things canon too. At the end of Revenge of the Sith, you have Obi-Wan and Yoda alive and they're the, the light side of the Force. You have Anakin and Vader, and they're the dark side of the Force. And then you have two people in the middle, newborn babies, Luke and Leia. So I always thought that was fascinating that that George Lucas found a, uh, like his own sort of way, if you just watch these movie for movie, to say, well, Anakin did exactly what you thought he would. He did balance the Force. He just had to go to the Sith to do it. Two, two, two. Perfectly balanced. Like, And I, I think that that's a Perfectly really... Like all things should be. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, I thought that was great because George Lucas is like, George Lucas is a genius. Um, We can talk about his struggles with dialogue and and the fact that he probably shouldn't have been alone in making the prequels. But I think it's something that really shines through in Revenge of the Sith is is this is a really brilliant man um, who's telling a story his way for better or worse. And uh, I feel like it all kind of comes together in Revenge of the Sith um, and results in what I think is still a really solid movie. Yeah, I think so too. I think, uh, speaking hypothetically though, um, I think this is more so an issue in Attack of the Clones as well and kind of a gripe that I had with this movie. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how things could have gone differently. Um, Say Anakin wasn't turned to the dark side. I think the huge catalyst for that is that he's separated from Obi-Wan in this movie (laughs) again. 
Obi-Wan goes on a separate mission, Anakin does his thing, his, and I think... His lizard. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what? I, I, I think had I they think been that's... together, you know, I think Obi-Wan could have talked some sense into him. Something. One, um, one thing that, like, Obi-Wan calls out himself is that, like, listen, I loved you like a brother. Yes. Like, I yeah. tried to be there for you. You're my boy, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I failed you. Mm. Somewhere along the way, I messed up. That's on me. And I feel like that's why he and Yoda sort of agree. Yoda sort of tells him to to take on Luke and to watch Luke grow because Yoda basically tells Obi-Wan, You've, you messed up. <laughs> you, you, you need to make this right somehow. Don't you, do it again. Yeah, <laughs> ba- basically, <laughs> essentially learn from your mistakes, watch Luke grow, and make sure that the force is balanced yeah. by, by the end of everything. Yeah. So I feel like that's why why Obi-Wan sort of needed that redemption arc. He wouldn't have needed that redemption if he had done everything right the first yeah. time. And I mean, so. and we'll talk about this in the A New Hope retrospective, yeah. but I mean, Obi-Wan carries so much guilt yeah. and, and regret over this whole situation. And I don't know, Alec Guinness just expertly sells that too. Yeah. Not even knowing that these movies were going to happen. Yeah, you know? for sure. I, and that fight on Mustafar, I think, sort of is a microcosm of of everything that's good about Revenge of the Sith. And it's the marriage of character weight plus advancements in effect and and choreography. Because you look at the original trilogy and, and <clears throat> the lightsaber battles are a little bit slow. They, they progress, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit of just like tapping the lightsabers. But they work so well because there's weight behind the characters. Mm-hmm. Go to the prequels and the, the, the first couple movies and it's like, okay, well... The, the fights are really cool and we're doing all this martial arts and mm-hmm. the flips and the and, and that's great visually, but because we don't care about where the characters end up at the end of this fight, it's hard to emotionally invest in it. Whereas I think that the fight on Mustafar in this movie is the first lightsaber fight that has sort of like both. And I'm I'm not saying it's it's the best one in the the series or or like it's it's better than anything in Empire or Return of the Jedi. What what I'm saying is that the the choreography is so great. Mm-hmm. They're they're doing Jedi stuff. They're flipping. They're it's it, like it's a good cool. old fashioned lightsaber fight. Right. It's like no gimmicks, no this or that. They're they're just going at each other. And yeah. as, as a matter of fact, it, it's it's really. Anakin going at Obi-Wan and right. Obi-Wan sort of on the defensive yeah, the entire time. Exactly. Yeah, and it's we care about we know where these characters end up at the end because we have the original trilogy. We know that Anakin is going to be Vader. We know that Obi-Wan survives, but that doesn't matter. That all disappears in this fight and you care about what happens at the end of it and you yeah. care about as much as the the physical result of the fight, the fracturing of this relationship. And that's something that could have been present more in the prequels had the the relationship been treated better story-wise and script-wise. But all those shortcomings kind of find a way to not matter as much in this fight. I thought it was really interesting how the, the, the entire movie, you're sort of on edge. Like, almost like Anakin is, like, holding his breath the entire time. Like, Anakin is drowning. And since we, again, we're seeing everything through Anakin's eyes, we as the viewer are like sort of jittery the entire time. And it's building and building and building, almost like a volcano, almost like lava building and building and building. And then it all explodes. It like it like it literally explodes. And you're sort of like left with this sense of. 
I feel bad. I feel gross. I feel like I need to take a shower. This is this is a really bad situation that we found ourselves in. And yeah, I, like essentially, where do we go from here? Right. Basically, yeah. and that those feelings of tension—that that is something so hard to accomplish with a prequel when you know virtually what's going to happen. Um, and this movie just nails it. So that's Revenge of the Sith. I I would be remiss in uh in not mentioning General Grievous too. I mm. think that he looks great, dude. My favorite villain of the yeah. whole movie. Just I, I really he spectacular. Looks fantastic. I think they handle him pretty well. I think it's I think the way he's introduced is a little difficult because we know from other materials in the canon that um you know the reason that he has these breathing problems is because he got crushed. Yeah. Uh through the force, but you don't get that in the movie. Mm -hmm. You don't. You aren't explained that. So yeah. um, it just kind of feels like he's got a cold the whole time, <laughs> the way he's talking. Well, I sort of read it like because I knew he's like a like a cyborg type mm. of being or whatever. I sort of read it like either that was like his human parts, right. like trying to yeah, yeah. trying to feel human again, mm. or that was like his like bio components. Like right. that was that was his like computer parts essentially like rebooting for a second yeah, yeah. it looks like a cough to us mm -hmm. but but it just like it's actually like his oh my respiratory yeah. system has to you know redo all of our pipes and everything <laughs> but so i have i have two two gripes with general grievous i think he's the perfect villain he's scary he's designed really well mm -hmm. i have two gripes with it one when they are fighting when when he and obi-wan are fighting he has the four lightsabers Obi-Wan has one lightsaber. Obi-Wan takes him out, which is fine because Obi-Wan is force sensitive. So right. it makes sense that someone who is not force sensitive and just has a lightsaber shouldn't be able to take him on, even if he has four lightsabers. So Obi-Wan takes him out. Then they both lose their lightsabers. Then they drop down. They're fighting, fighting, fighting. Grievous has like the spear thing with like the, yeah. the purple lightning yeah. on the end of it. Obi-Wan then gets the spear thing with the purple lightning on the end of it, and he shocks Grievous. Mm. He, like, electrocutes him with the purple lightning spear. If he had bio components inside of him, would that not have, like, jump-started his heart and, like, just too much and killed him then? Right. But it doesn't. And that's just, that's a really nitpicky thing. Yeah, that's a really yeah. small thing. But the other gripe I have with General Grievous is that I think they killed him off too early. Mm. I wish they would have brought him back because his his death for such a great villain i think who has has kind of a lot of death to him mm -hmm. he's he's like a master tactician but he's also sort of a coward cuz right. he's like oh, oh i'm i'm going to lose yeah. this time it's time for me to hit the road um i think they killed him off too early and i sort of wish we would have saw like a 2.0 yeah. version that would have <laughs> yeah. been dope right like yeah. oh now i have eight lightsabers <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like some, something really <laughs> crazy so yeah, I mean, probably my favorite villain of, of the whole thing, aside from uh, the Darth Plagueis the Wise scene. Yeah, that whole That's monologue, like, just chills when yeah. when I saw it because it really showed that this is like a really good actor here. Yeah, yeah. like don't forget that like we're, we're this is a movie. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Like this is like real stuff, and it showed that you don't have to jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, right. jump cut, jump cut. For you to have a, a good scene with good dialogue, it was really good dialogue, and just let the actor act it yes. out, and yeah, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and that's something that in like Attack of the Clones, when we we cut to the quieter moments in 
Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones like really don't work. <laughs> like the the Padme and Attican stuff when they're together, it it doesn't really work as well. Where this we we finally get like a a quiet moment that's nice and well acted and it's a welcome break from all the action um while serving the story while giving us uh interesting points to think about um we you know sort of see anakin turn in real time um and sort of be seduced by the dark side and and by palpatine in a way that you know we kind of as an audience probably think he's not coming back from um when he hears that death can be defeated yeah. Anything you want to add about Revenge of the Sith? No, I think we covered a lot of ground with that. Um, I do, like I said previously, I think this is kind of the heartbreaking movie, mm-hmm. in, at least in the prequel trilogy, for sure. Um, uh, personally, it's my favorite of the prequel trilogy. I yeah. think we kind of all are on the same page with yeah. that. Um, and I think that it's really interesting to see George Lucas, with this film in particular, as writer and director, mm-hmm. I think we really see him get as comfortable as he's been with these first uh as far as phantom menace and attack of the clones goes i think he's finally really where he wants to be with this story and this is the movie he wanted to make from the beginning and that's what it was kind of leading to um and you mentioned the darth plagueis scene and i think the dialogue in revenge of the sith is definitely way elevated in comparison to attack of the clones phantom menace so yeah uh I think it's great, and I love revisiting it, too, yeah. every couple of years, you know. Yeah. Can't wait for uh, episode nine when Anakin comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, place your bets on, on who's coming back in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for us on Revenge of the Sith. Uh, as always, thank, thank you guys you. for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks for thank coming you. on. Thank you, guys. Um, I'm going to be on for every every third uh, Star Wars. <laughs> every, every third Star Wars I'm going to be on. That so, sounds good to me. Re- Return of the Jedi. Just ex- expect me back. Yeah, Deal. and then when we go see Rise of Skywalker, come yeah. back because we're going to oh, dude, right in the studio yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. talk about it. Like yeah. as, as soon as we get out of the theater, yeah, we're coming dude, here. Drive right <laughs> Let's over. do it, dude. Yeah. Um, so as always, thank you to SSTV uh, for allowing us to use this equipment. It's much appreciated. Thank you for listening. Um, be on the lookout for our next Star Wars retrospective next week. Um, and thanks for watching. <laughs>